if you're a business, you've got to figure out who your ideal client is. You need to create a profile of your ideal referral partner is as well. And so I went through that process kind of by trial and error in San Diego, figured it out. And then when I landed in Denver, moving back to Denver to start the Vantage Group, um, it was a whole different story, right? My, my network grew exponentially really quickly, generated a bunch of leads really quickly. I never looked back. Welcome to the Referral Bench Podcast, a weekly podcast for business owners and salespeople growing their business with networking and referrals. I'm Ian Campbell, CEO of Mission Suite. And I'm Phil Pelto, CEO of Firestorm. If you're working on growing your network, we have another great episode coming your way today. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get to this week's interview. This podcast is brought to you by Firestorm. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization that organizes events and meetings for business owners and professionals where they can meet, build relationships, and share referrals. Learn more at myfirestorm.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Mission Suite, offering small business owners, salespeople, and sales teams the contact management and sales automation software they need to grow their business at a cost that they can afford. Learn more about Mission Suite at www.themissionsuite.com. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Referral Bench podcast. Today we have Dean Isaacs with the Vantage Group. Uh, Dean is a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of hands-on business growth, sales, and marketing experience. He works with business-to-business companies across the United States that range from startups to the Fortune 500. His passion is helping small and mid-sized businesses achieve their growth goals by developing and implementing high-impact sales and marketing strategies. Dean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting that you and I are on a podcast based on referrals because you and I met networking in an entirely different city in an entirely different state <laughs> and now have gotten, have uh, reconnected through networking again. And, uh, and, you know, now we're, we're doing some, uh, some other stuff and, and uh, the community table and whatnot together as well. So, I mean, we, we got, uh, we, we had the, the good fortune of being connected through, through networking. Yeah. It's, it, it really is a small world, right? Whether it's online or offline, the, the, you know, the degrees of separation are not what they used to be. So yeah, it, it's fun <laughs> to come back around and reconnect. Absolutely. How did you guys meet? Uh, at a at a, a six degrees event in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. So at basically the uh, the San Diego version of Firestorm. Yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, anyway. Apparently, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. And you know, Dean, to your point, I think you know the the whole uh, world has kind of shrunk now, and you know, there's you know, I'm sure that you know you can get connected to anybody you know six steps away but the the you know functional group of people that you know you deal with i think it's you know two connections away maybe three mm-hmm. um it's just it's crazy and especially if you start doing business in, in one spot for a long time so yeah yeah it's true and we had, we had no easy way to map that prior to things like linkedin or, or even a really good crm so you know the technologies helped really drive that home over the last decade or so yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So I know you guys, you know, know each other's background really well. But you know, Dean, tell me, uh, you know, just for him, my sake, you know, fill me in a little bit more about you know what what you do and um, how uh, how you're you know growing your business now. Yeah, so I've been in consulting for quite a long time, almost twenty years on and off. Um, 
And and what I do now, my company today is Vantage Group. We're actually celebrating our let's see ninth anniversary this month. Um, and what we do is we work with small and mid-sized business owners, helping them really put together strategies to drive revenue. Right. So we spend some time with them, helping them with figuring out who their market is, how to market their products and services, how to convert those leads that you generate in marketing into revenue through sales activity, um, really helping them just grow their grow their business, but sort of a strategy first approach. Um, so that's what I do today. But when Ian and I met quite some time ago, I was a partner in a management consulting practice. So we did things like strategic planning okay. kind of stuff back then. Yeah. Nice. So I, I, when you're talking about, you know, um, the lead gen and then also the sales aspect of things and convert, converting those, I, uh, I'm going to steal a question that I heard on a podcast, another podcast recently. Um, if you had to pick one of those things, like, would you rather have like a rock star sales team and a mediocre marketing team or a rock star marketing team and a mediocre sales team? That's a, that's a great question. And it's kind of loaded, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would say it depends, right? It depends on the business that you're in and who your market is, who you're selling to. But I think the if I had to pick, I would pick sales over marketing. Because if you're generating lots of leads on the marketing side, but you're not converting that into revenue, you're going to go out of business really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but a good salesperson should be able to prospect and generate some leads themselves. And if they're good at converting, they'll generate revenue too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I'm a sales guy, you know, and I have been my whole life. And so I'm always, you know, kind of default to the sales, you know, aspect of that. But um, it, it, it's true. It does, you know, salespeople can go out and kind of make it happen. Um, it's, <laughs> presumably. It's, presumably, <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, if they're worth their salt. Right. right. Um, funny story. So th- this had really nothing to do with sales. Um, I was on a, a contract with a consulting company in Germany. Um, and we were doing qualitative market research for, you know, one of the big German auto brands. And we uh, were tasked with answering a question for them, you know, and they had a very specific question. You know, part of that was uh, running a bunch of interviews. And we had actually hired a company to fill the interview room for us. And we would run them through a set of questions with these two models and um, record their answers. Well, they completely dropped the ball on making sure we had enough qualified interviewees. And I, uh, being the only sales guy, everybody else was like data nerds. Um, you know, and me, I was just there cause I could talk well. And uh, I was like, Oh, I got this. So I was literally like, I went, I went and started knocking on doors in uh, car doors in like shopping mall parking lots and like going into the local businesses that were around our location and like, you know, Hey, do you want to make a quick 200 bucks? Come over and answer this question. But, and we, but we had to get like really particular demographics and what kind of cars they drove and everything. So I had to go to places where they could park outside. And I was like, Hey, who drives that car? (laughs) It was awesome. Oh, that's great. A motivated sales guy can do, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's it. I think I got invited back to a couple extra studies because of that one. Yeah, right, right. So, and that's, uh, and speaking of motivated sales guys, you know, that, uh, that brings us back to, uh, to kind of the, the, the concept of referrals and, uh, networking and getting out there and whatnot, you know? And so, you know, and cause we've all at this point, uh, the three of us have each had to redevelop business in 
a completely new town, right? And a completely new city, whether it's from San Diego to Denver, like Dean, you and you, both you and I have had to do, or, you know, uh, well, name a city and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> for Phil, you know, but uh, so Dean, I, I guess from your perspective, I'm curious, wh how, what have you seen are some of the key things to do when you're, you know, again, as a motivated guy who's who's trying, who who's gotten out there to to with a with a, the intention of growing his business. What have you seen are the some of the best ways to really go about doing that, using referrals and networking as kind of the base of what you're doing? Yeah, you know, there, there's a, obviously a lot to sort of unpack there. I will say when I moved to San Diego. I had never networked in my life. I, I didn't even really know what it was. Uh, my business partner and, and myself at the time moved from another state. We were actually in Nashville for a short period before San Diego. Moved to Na San Diego, and between us, we knew one person. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that was the extent of our network. Um, and it was a a banker that we had just been told by somebody in Nashville, "You get, you got to meet that guy. He's in San Diego. Go meet him." And so that was the extent of my networking prowess was meeting that guy. And so I, I learned a <laughs> but lot. But you met him. I did meet him. Right. <laughs> go, go, go take some action, right? Um, so I learned a lot in those first few years. And what, what I realized was it's really easy to spend a lot of time, um, have a lot of lunches, drink a lot of coffee, and get absolutely nowhere. Because we've all been through it, right? We've all been mm -hmm. through that, like, death by coffee kind of approach. <laughs> Um, and what I realized was um, that it's not just the number of people you meet, it's who you meet, right? And, and meeting the right kind of individuals is, is critical to this process. And so I went through this process of thinking, well, who do I, who, what's, what's gaining traction for me? And so I looked at the individuals that were willing to make introductions for me and trying to figure out what makes that group, what, what, what are, what's in common with that group. Um, and so that was sort of like the first start of me really kind of figuring out the way I network and the way I generate referrals is to start with just like you would if you're a business, you've got to figure out who your ideal client is. You need to create a profile of your ideal referral partner is as well. And so I went through that process kind of by trial and error in San Diego, figured it out. And then when I landed in Denver, moving back to Denver to start the Vantage Group, um, it was a whole different story, right? My my network grew exponentially really quickly, generated a bunch of leads really quickly, and never looked back. I wanted to take a second and do a little bit deeper dive into something Dean said, which was uh, creating an ideal referral partner profile. And I think that's super important and something that deserves a little bit more discussion. So the first thing you want to do is start with an ideal client profile, which hopefully everybody is familiar with and has done. One thing you want to do is figure out, you know, who who are the best clients for you and what size of the business they are, you know, revenue-wise, employee-wise, what industries are they in, uh, where are they located, are they in your local area, are you doing business across the nation, um, and who is the contact person that you're doing business with? So is it the business owner? Is it the chief financial officer? Is it the general counsel? Is it the head of HR? and pinpointing that, uh, that specific role that you're going after. Um, once you have all of that figured out, then you can figure out who else is doing business with that same type of company and who else is doing business with that same person and has visibility to the type of conversations that you want to have. Um, as an example, let's say you're selling outsourced CFO services. 
in your sales process and discovery process, you're going to uh, most likely uncover conversations. And, and then in the course of your, your role as well, you're going to uncover conversations and needs for things like uh, banking and uh, general counsel services and uh, you know, new uh, insurance policies and things like that, that would all fall under your, uh, you know, scope of work, I guess. And then you're able to refer those people into this same account. Conversely, those people, whether it's a general counsel or a commercial banker or a commercial insurance person are in the course of their business going to uncover opportunities for you as an outsourced CFO. So once you can identify who those ideal referral partners are, you can then go about spending most of your time, the lion's share of your time, developing relationships with those specific people and your results will go through the roof because you're being much more strategic with who you're spending your time with. So I thought that was a great thing. Wanted to dive a little bit more into it and I hope you guys uh, are able to apply that in your businesses. I never looked back. It wasn't the same pain and anguish that I went through in San Diego because that's where I learned what to do and what not to do. So, you know, for me, it's it's a couple of things. It's certainly getting that ideal referral partner profile really dialed in. And what, what I look for is um, a couple of things. Um, the individuals I meet with, are they having the right kind of conversation with the right kind of people? Right. Are they if they are people that are talking to um, kind of lower level line managers in Fortune 500, they're not the right people for me. Good folks, but they're not going to I'm not I can't help them and they can't help me. But if I'm talking to somebody that is seen as a trusted advisor to small and mid-sized business owners, they're talking to executives and owners about the business, you know, not just the, you know, the printer they're selling, but they, they're really talking about the business. They're having the right kinds of conversations with the right kind of people. So for me, I go through some of those filters to really try and spend my time with the right individuals. So I think that's just the place I start, but it goes on. It goes on from there for me as well. Mm -hmm. How have you found, um, you know, once you have that clear idea of who you want to have conversations with, um, how do you stay true to that and, you know, spend your time with just those people? Because, you know, if you're in the networking world, you know, you know, you get hit up by a million people and like, Hey, let's grab coffee. Um, and you, I mean, you said it, you know, death by coffee and you just get hit up all the time by, you know, people that you know, aren't going to be a good fit. So how do you manage that? You know, at the beginning I said yes to everybody. Right. I think that's right. Um, but I, I, I have no problem saying if I'm not sure, well, it depends on where this individual comes from. A lot of, we get hit up all, all the time on LinkedIn, right. For people that want to meet and connect and, um, all of that kind of stuff, or you meet somebody out in the network and they want to introduce you to somebody. So if I'm not sure that this person is the right fit, I have no problem setting up a 10-minute phone call and just saying, or a Zoom call right now, and just say, hey, let's spend 10 minutes, let's get to know each other, see if this makes, spend, makes sense to spend more time together. There's a win and there's a win-win for both of us at that point, right? Neither of us are wasting our time. And I'm being upfront and honest. It's not like I wouldn't you know, um, give the person the time of day, but I'm not going to spend, you know, an hour driving somewhere, an hour talking and an hour back. It's, you know, it's a lot of time that's burned. Yeah. So I have no problem doing a kind of a quick intro, get to know your phone call at the beginning. Cool. Uh, yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the LinkedIn, like cold outreach that I'm sure all of us get a 50 of a day. <laughs> uh, what do you do with those? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a, a sadist, I guess, in some way, because I usually accept those connection requests and then I count the seconds until I get pitched. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because for me, it's also sort of a little bit of this uh, market research to know what is and what isn't working on LinkedIn yeah. to help my clients. So, you know, it to me, it's pretty transparent, right? It depends on who the person is. You look at their profile, you look at the, how they did the introduction, and you know pretty quickly, yeah this is not really worth my time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, I do connect to most people um, or accept the connection request. Um, and there are times where um, I've got a connection request, actually, or somebody here in Denver connected with me, he had a number of mutual connections. He was a trusted advisor type individual, customized the message. So all positive, right? You would think. Yeah. Right. Um, said, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. I accepted the connection. I sent him a message directly back and said, hey, you know, thanks so much for connecting. We'd love to set up a time to chat. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. That's crazy. So it's like, you just, it's crazy. You, you would assume that that person is motivated. They reached out to me. They did all the right things. Right. Yeah. So I said, okay, that's fine. I, I tried. I am not going <laughs> to chase you down, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I can let it go. So it can go either way. Um, but I do look at, is it just the canned, you know, generic connect with me message? Yeah. Uh, we have any mutual connections. Is there any reason for me to connect? Can I add value to their world too? Because that's something I do care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so one of the things that that, uh, that I, I'm, I'm familiar with, your obviously familiar with your business and whatnot, you've got Vantage Group and that's the um, where, you, where you're working with a lot of the kind of the higher touch, you kind know, of one-on-one clients. And then you've, but you've also got the growth collaborative groups, right? And so you've got the, and those are kind of, they're, they're smaller groups uh, that have a very different target market than your, uh, then, then you're, you're kind of high touch one-to-one uh, type clients. So I'm curious, does your, does the way that you go about networking and the way that you go about making connections and whatnot, you know, again, Denver being the small town that it is, how does that shift when you're looking for looking to fill a new group or looking for a new specific client or, you know, obviously keeping your eyes open for both? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's sort of evolved over time. And what I found was one of the reasons the Growth Collaborative became a service that I offer is that many of my referral partners that are either in small business or entrepreneurs, they're solo subject matter experts, consultants, all that kind of stuff. They needed my help, but they weren't my target market. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I, I wanted to create something where I could actually support my, my network. And so a lot of my referral partners became growth collaborative members. Um, and, and that's just sort of like by design that they fit the ideal client profile. But some of those individuals are also really great referral partners for me for the vantage for my consulting clients. So it, it was a very symbiotic sort of um, relationship between those, those individuals. But I think what I had to do was be really clear on um, who my ideal client is, how I add value to the Vantage Group clients and how that's different to the growth collaborative offering that I have. And that's, I think, part of where I've been able to generate referrals is I, I, I focus on trying to be easy to refer. Mm-hmm. I think that's often where the wheels fall off is that there's this person that does this amazing consulting stuff, but I don't, how do I even 
introduce it, dude. I don't get it. Mm. And my clients are definitely not going to get it. So that's something I've tried to really do is, is make it really easy for people to refer to me. And then let me figure out if they're the right fit for me or should I introduce them to somebody else that's a better fit. So that messaging, I think, is really, really important. So diving into that idea of being easy to refer, right? I mean, that's a, it's an interesting concept that I think gets lost in a lot of the kind of referral generation groups or lead groups or networking groups and whatnot. So can you kind of uh, just expand on that a little bit, expand on the concept and kind of maybe provide some more, uh, a bit more to the people listening as to what that means and how they should kind of approach that? Yeah. So I think there's, there's a, there's a couple of things. It's, how do I become um, certainly top of mind in my area of expertise? And, and, and there's a whole top of mind thing that I can get into as well, because there's a whole part to that. But um, what I've done to make it really easy is to tell my referral partners, if you're working with a business, um, B2B businesses, that's what I'd spend my time with, that has any questions or has any challenges around marketing, sales, or generating revenue, I'm happy to chat with them. And that's, that's as narrow as I go, right? <laughs> when you're doing lead gen, you want to narrow your funnel, be specific in a niche. But I believe when you're building your referral um, channel, you want to open up the funnel because mm -hmm. nobody's better at qualifying a lead than you are. You don't want that CPA that thinks they know what you do to say, ah, Ian's not the guy to introduce to Dean because they're not qualified to, to qualify your leads. So I try and open up the referral funnel, whereas in you know traditional marketing, I want to narrow my, my focus. Mm -hmm. So I keep that really, really easy. And then also make it easy for them to make the introduction. I don't care if they want to take us all out to dinner together or they want to send an email, right? Either end right. of the spectrum. Whatever works, whatever's easy. It's my job as the sales guy to connect with that prospect, that person's been referred, and build a relationship. Certainly, the warmer and more connected that introduction is, the better it is. But I don't want to slow the process down because they've got to, they feel like they've got to get a lunch together or whatever. Let's just get some things going. Let's just get mm -hmm. some interaction going and, and move forward. So that's, those are some of the things I think of when I think in terms of being easily referable. And I follow up too. I think that's the other piece is that when somebody refers to me, I keep them in the loop right, right the whole way through. So there's nothing worse than making that introduction and not knowing what the heck happened. Yeah. So that's that to me makes, You know, it just makes you feel good that you made the connection and the person's let me know what's going on. So right. And do that. And that makes you, people want to refer to you more. They don't, nobody wants to be left in, in the dark. You know, it's funny. I, because I uh, there I can't tell you how often because I make an introduction and it's just kind of a part of the day and then I move on to the next thing and it's gone right and I can't tell you uh, how often I've like I've met ran into somebody six months from then oh yeah you introduced me to that person I'm like I'm sure I did <laughs> I have no doubt right but it's you know it's a good point and so few people actually do follow up and keep somebody else to keep the the person who referred engaged in the process in the first place right and yeah. i imagine that probably sets you apart and makes people more likely to follow up li likely to refer you in the future yeah they just feel good about it right they've, they've done a good thing i've showed my appreciation and then i've gone the next step and keeping them in the loop because mm -hmm. ultimately i think there's like this three-way validation me the person that made the referral and then the person 
I was referred to. I want to make sure they all know and they're all connected and they all feel good about the relationship because sometimes the introduction doesn't work out and that's okay. Mm-hmm. To me, that's just as valuable as the one that does. And you have to, I think you have to demonstrate that appreciation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, from a sales perspective, you know, there's always going to be, uh, you know, some fallout, you know, and, and you know that no matter how many, you know, how awesome the referrals are and how awesome you are as a salesperson, there's just some natural attrition. And so getting that introduction is what you need to focus on and, you know, getting, you know, doing the, the activities, so to speak, um, and focusing on that versus the end result, because, you know, the end result will come if you get enough of the, you know, the first one. So Exactly. Yeah. And then you get to kind of provide that feedback to the person that did the referral. And they, so they get validation on that was good or that wasn't quite the right referral anyway. So that yeah. the relationship too. Yep. That's awesome. So um, what percentage of your uh, business comes from referrals versus other marketing and sales sources? About 75, 80% of my business comes from referral. Yeah, and that's a combination of referrals from clients and past clients and and, yeah. and and referral partners too, yeah. And of the referrals that you get, are you are you actively going out and asking people to make introductions for you or have you trained your referral partners, past clients, customers, you know, to give you introductions without you asking for it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, the the latter is the is the case. Right? <laughs> I think I've trained them enough that they know. But I also, you know, there are times where you have to ask, right? Where you yeah. need help, and it may be a referral to a, a service provider or another consultant or a piece of technology, right? So to me, a referral is not just about being asked to talk to somebody about doing business. It could be any sure. number of things. So I, I think generally, it's I've trained my my relationships, but there are times where I do ask. So the Growth Collaborative is a good example, right? Um, I need to continue to do a better job in getting the word out uh, with that particular service. And so there are a few of my referral partners and the members of the groups that I've asked them directly, who do you know? Now you've experienced this, who do you know? Uh, and that's been really helpful. Awesome. So we know, uh, so we know that <clears throat> being good at what you do obviously is a huge part of getting referrals, right? Um, and so, especially when it comes to like clients and uh, and former clients actually sending you business and whatnot. I'm curious though, as far as uh, just you know, folks that have never actually experienced your work, you know, things like that. So uh, with with people like that, how do you find? what do you find is the best way to actually uh, um, show that you actually know what you're talking about, show what you're doing, you know, to people that have never actually like that, that have never actually experienced working with you directly. Um, but rather j- get them to, but rather get them to the point where, you know, they can just, they just buy into the, the fact that you, that they know what you're, that you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I, I guess I hadn't thought, about that too much, but I think, I guess I'm lucky, right? So I'm not doing this obscure thing as for a living, right? And I'll, you know, everybody I meet with and talk to, they all want more business. Everybody right. wants to grow their business. Everybody wants to make more money. And so I have a natural opportunity to just help. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what I do as I meet new folks is just help, right? Because inevitably during that a series of conversations and meetings we have, 
their stuff will come up, what they're struggling with, how they're dealing with the situation. COVID has changed. We can't network anymore. Well, yeah, you can. Just you're not going out. <laughs> and so we just brainstorm. And I think I naturally do that maybe as a consultant. I'm a problem solver by, by nature. So I tend to just want to help. And um, so I get to demonstrate my expertise without selling them anything, without mm-hmm. doing anything, but just wanting to help. So I think that's a huge opportunity for me. Um, certainly being um, a thought leader online and, and being a, being um, visible on social media, LinkedIn and so on, uh, and just putting my content out there is good too. Um, so I think those are probably the two biggest things. And, and then the third for me is I, I think about the effort I go through when I make an introduction. And it takes time. To do a good introduction takes time. You have to be thoughtful. You have to frame it up in a way that makes sense. You have to, it just takes some time and effort. And so I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, just being top of mind, being known isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I think people have to want to help. Right. The way you get people to want to help, and I call that being top of heart versus top of mind, is you have to give first. Give first, however you can, whether that's giving advice or making introductions. And I, I tell a lot of folks, you know, I can't, I can't guarantee I'm going to be able to introduce you to a client, but I guarantee I can introduce you to another really good connector. Mm-hmm. another good person that you should know and maybe they can help you out and so being really proactive and thoughtful about making those connections and following up and doing what you said you'll do you create a bond a relationship and people care more and there's a high likelihood that they're willing to go through the hassle of making the introduction awesome so was, okay no go ahead. i was going to ask if you have a system for cultivating referrals but it sounds like you just gave us the answer to that right <laughs> Yeah, I, that, that's the core of it, right? So yeah. I, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I try and, especially with new people that I feel like there's a good synergy, I try and make an introduction before we finish the first conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, hey, Phil, do you know Bob Smith? You know, you really should need, meet, you should meet Bob and here's why. Phil, no, I don't know Bob. All right, I'm going to, so I, I'll, within that day, I'll get Phil and Bob connected. And it's done. Then it's also off my plate too, right? right. You've done the thing <laughs> yeah. And then the other part of the process is I try and make a, at least one more connection before we meet a second time. So maybe we schedule a meeting for a month or whatever out. I'll, I'll actually put a, a note in my, in my reminders, my calendar to connect Phil to somebody else before we meet again. Mm-hmm. And so again, you've added value and then you get something new to talk about next time you get together how did right. it go with the first guy and how did it go with the second guy and that second introduction is awesome because it's unexpected yeah it just completely comes out of the blue so that's the kind of thing i do to try and really um establish rapport early on mm-hmm. i love that nice yeah so thinking about your referral partners and your your network um you know if you had to look at it as a you know numbers wise you know how how many people are you really engaging with? And are there, are there people, you know, like Ian has talked about, you know, with the referral bench, you know, there's the, you know, first base, there's a second home plate, plate, uh, infield, outfield. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, So, uh, you know, analogies. Yeah. Right. You're close. Yeah. Right. I'm not a sports (laughs) guy. (laughs) Um, So uh, anyway, um, how many of each of those do you have and, and what, how do you break up your time and, you know, cultivate relationships with each of them? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of A, B and C, 
uh, you know, not getting to first place with anybody. And, uh, <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> Hopefully you're not getting a home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so the, the A's are, um, you know, my, my closest relationships. Um, there's probably about 20 in, in the A group. And people kind of come in and go out over time, right? Yeah. People's careers change, mm-hmm. you drift apart, whatever happens. So there's about 20 in there. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm very fortunate because many of those 20 are clients or they've become friends. And I'm in other groups with them together. So staying connected with those people is easy. It's natural, right? There are a few maybe I have to spend a lot more time and be intentional about, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, we're already working with clients together sometimes. You know, our network is so tight that it happens um, a lot more naturally. Um, with the Bs, it's probably 20 to 30 on the B level. And those are folks that maybe I haven't um, connected with quite as deeply. Uh, maybe we actually haven't been able to do any significant introductions or I'm still kind of getting to know them and I feel like they could become an A. Um, so that's probably, there's probably 40 or 50 total on those two, two parts of the list. And then there's everybody else, right? I mean, I don't know, 22 or so hundred connections on LinkedIn, everybody else. Right. And I just try and stay top of mind with those people. Like I said, through, whether it's through email or, um, social media or being around them at other events. And sometimes somebody in that C group, they'll float to the top for whatever reason. I thought of them for an introduction or I saw them at an event or they they reached out to me and they'll sort of self-select up the food chain as well. Mm-hmm. So, but but you, you can only spend so much time, obviously, with these individuals. So that's sort of how I, how I go about it. You have like a specific frequency with which you make sure to get together with people in those kind of in that, that, that A and B range, like once a month, once every few months, whatever the case might be. Yeah. And I think the frequency is, is, um, a higher rate early on in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So for the first six months, I'm talking to them monthly, you know, probably for the first three months, I'm fe- meeting them face to face. Of course, prior to COVID, it was, you know, a little different. Sure. But, um, you know, for the first three months, I want to see them face to face, Zoom or otherwise. And then, you know, maybe it's every couple of months. So, but I, I'm saying pretty tight with them for about six months. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get a feel if it's just me in the relationship, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, all right. I put a good effort in here. I want to help, but you know, a relationship has two sides to it. Right. So if they're not reaching back, if they're not being proactive, if they're not thinking of me just to say, Hey, then um, I'm not probably going to put as much effort in quite honestly. Um, so I, it's like that mentor mentee relationship, right? It's going to yeah. come from both sides. So I'm having to put a lot of effort in early, but it's got to be mutual at some point. Yeah. At some point, you just have to acknowledge the fact that they're just not that into you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the fish in the sea, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's amazing how many metaphors there are between sales, business development, and dating. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, um, you reminded me of another thing that you know I think um, people kind of take for for granted and um, or don't think about, I guess, and it's the amount of effort that needs to go in on the front end to really make a beneficial relationship and make it you know pay off 
in the long run because you know it's not like you can just you know meet somebody at an event or meet somebody over linkedin or you know th- even through a zoom call and then be like oh i did my you know 30 minute you know mm-hmm. meeting with those people and now they're going to start sending me deals you know <laughs> you've got to constantly be putting in the energy and you know making sure you're doing introductions for them you know paying it forward and uh, and really cultivating that relationship and um yeah it's it's interesting how many times uh you see people kind of shake out on and they just don't want to put that in so they, they don't or they're putting in the effort but they're not putting in the right kind of effort right then they, they've got the meeting frequency going yeah people lots but they're not um doing a good job in terms of communication right so that's it i guess that's the other thing that i think about is i, I want to take the lead in the conversation because i want to make sure that i learn what i need to learn and i want to make sure they make sure they learn what they need to learn from my perspective so <laughs> You know, it's that uh, you can meet with somebody once a month for six months and still come away and say, that was a good dude, but I still don't get it. I, I, <laughs> you could have a beer, but I don't know how to refer this person. So I think that's the other piece of putting in the effort is putting in the right kind of effort. Yeah. 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 Telling stories and using examples. So it's really easy to connect, dean with opportunities out in the marketplace and vice versa. Yeah. Do you have an agenda um, that you use for your meetings? So you make sure that, you know, you get the information out of the other person that you want and you're able to give, you know, them a a clear understanding what you do. Yeah. I I suppose it's kind of evolved over the years. It's, it's sort of second nature at this point. Right. But certainly I want to leave by asking all the questions early, you know, Mm -hmm. not so much take control of the conversation, but I want to get them talking talking about their business and their family and their challenges and all that stuff. Cause then it allows me to frame up what I do in a way that makes sense for them. So the more I know about their market, their clients, the problems they solve for their, for the clients they work with, then I can frame up my message in a way that's just easier to absorb versus just coming out of the left field. Yeah. It's cool. Cool. Do you have uh, like, what are some, well, actually let me rephrase, what are some of your favorite questions to ask people to determine whether or not it's a good kind of back and forth fit for, uh, for those? Yeah. So asking them more about their role as much as the business they're in and the problems they solve, right? That's important, you know, cause I, I want to know that they're primarily B2B, that they're probably working with the businesses, let's say less than 50 million in revenues, and those are like the, the sort of entrance through the gate, right? If they're working with individual consumers online, probably not a good fit for what I do right now. So I ask some of those easy questions, but really understanding their role. So if they're, a, if they're in business development, then do they maintain the relationship with the client or are they in to close the deal and move on? Okay, not good or bad, just so I know. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're delivering the services, they're a subject matter expert, maybe they're the owner or the entrepreneur, then kind of what's the nature of the relationship with the client? Who are they? If they're working just with um, the HR director, right? That's all they do is they work just with the HR director. Okay, good. Might not be a great fit for me. I may not be able to make introductions, but if they're working with more of the executives and the owners on a regular basis, um, you know, it allows me to sort of filter through that. So that's the kind of stuff I tend to to ask to understand. Um, and then things like frequency, how often are they in front of their clients? If it's a one transaction every year, they're selling insurance, but they say they're a consultant, but they're just selling insurance. Right. You know, I just want to know that so I can position myself in a way that adds value. So that, that's the sort of process I t- t- tend to go through. 
Cool. There, uh, I just had a totally off topic question, but about the uh, consultants that sell insurance. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've seen, uh, you know, that a few times, but I, do you, uh, do you experience that a lot? And are there people that are, you know, just kind of trying to puff up their resume or their LinkedIn profile? Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a consultant or whatever. Um, and, and do you find any consistency in the people that do that? Because I'm, I'm trying to think back to the ones that I've seen. I, feel they're a certain age demographic. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I guess I just don't pay too much attention to that, right? Because to me, if I'm if I'm talking to somebody like that that has some experience that, that can add some value to a client, I think of them as a resource for me versus me being a resource for them. I don't expect much from that individual sure. other than be there and give good advice when I ask them to. Um, so maybe my expectations, you know, it, it sets my expectations such a way that, you know, it's a, if it's a one-way relationship, but they add value to my clients or my network, I'm, I'm down with it. Yeah, so I yeah. That I'm probably not going to get a lot of introductions from that individual. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any really great success stories that uh, coming out of uh, like referrals and whatnot, like things that, you know, I never thought that I'd get this and then all of a sudden that had that kind of a deal? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that. Um, and the, the, the story that comes to mind is um, a friend of mine that's a banker, commercial banker, um, introduced me to an individual that was um, in between jobs at the time. Um, and, of course, you know, you can immediately roll your eyes. About, you know, <laughs> And this was a few years ago. This wasn't during the pandemic. This uh, isn't the same banker that you knew in San Diego, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Denver banker. <laughs> Um, and so he said, you know, good guy, well-connected in town. I think you'd enjoy meeting with him. And so I did. Um, and, and the part that I, the sort of spurred me to do it was he said, he's just a good dude, just someone you should know. You'll enjoy meeting with him. Interesting background. And so I didn't go into this thing with any expectations at all. Um, and this individual didn't, had, had, a, had a pretty interesting LinkedIn profile, but there wasn't a lot of detail there and was in um, finance um and cfo type roles and so i sat down with the guy and really enjoyed me just like the person said i would um and he was he was looking for his next gig um and so i made a few introductions for him to other people in my network just try to add some value try to help the guy out um and just it was a good good time to to get to know him and we agreed to just sort of stay in touch like you know it was one of those let's just stay in touch right <laughs> Um, but we did connect and we had, we had some fun and we could laugh, get to know each other. And I didn't, I didn't hear from him for probably, it must have been eight months. And all of a sudden I get an email from the guy out the blue saying, I landed at a new place on the CFO. Um, we need some help. You willing to come chat? Sure. Didn't know anything about the company. He was kind of a little, he hadn't updated his LinkedIn profile yet. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. <laughs> So we grabbed coffee again and he kind of explained all that was going on and he introduced me to the CEO. Um, I ended up landing that engagement and it made my year. That one engagement absolutely made my year. Wow. Um, from a revenue standpoint, awesome revenue, good profit, really great bunch of people we worked with um, and worked with them for almost two years until they went through the uh, acquisition mode and ended up getting sold. Um, it was just amazing out of this sort of random coffee with this guy that's between gigs. right? <laughs> and so 
um, I wrapped up my engagement after they sold. Uh, he stayed on for a while to do some sort of post-acquisition transition stuff and hadn't, didn't hear from him for about two years. And ping, out of the blue, he called me again. <laughs> Landed the next thing, doing the same thing, needed some help again, brought me in, talked to the CEO. I landed that engagement. Another massive opportunity for me. That's awesome. Two <laughs> huge, huge engagements with really fun, engaging clients out of this random coffee where this dude was between jobs. That's great. Wow. It was more than just a dude between jobs, but no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. we don't know. We don't know. So that, right. that's, my, that's my sort of referral success success story. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. cool. Very cool. So if you could go back, knowing what you know now, and give uh, you know a younger version of you some advice, what what would you tell yourself to you know expedite the process or you know make your life easier, more efficient, etc.? Yeah. You know, in terms of building my network and so on, I would say there are two pieces to it. One is be really clear in communicating what you do and who you do it for. Make it easy to understand. And be careful who you spend your time with, right? Be, be um, judicious in how you spend your time, right? We don't, time is that one resource we never get back. Yeah. So no. Really, really carefully. Add value, but know the right kind of individuals you want to meet with where you can add value to. And then it comes back in spades over time. Nice. Speaking of saving time, I think Dean knows me well enough to know that my last question is always, what would you leave everybody else listening with? And again, <laughs> I think you just saved us a little bit of time <laughs> and wrapped it all into the one answer. All right. Well, efficiency at its best, guys. Yeah. <laughs> solid. Solid work. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Oh, uh, very cool. Well, where where can people find you if uh, if they want to reach out online or Whatever. Yeah, you can Google my name. I, I, I'm pretty high in the search rankings. You can find me on all the social platforms or just look for Vantage Group Denver online and you, you'll, you'll find me. I'm easy to find. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dean, thanks so much for being here, man. This was a great conversation. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you guys. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Ian. Love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Yeah. So, bye.